People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. Brooklyn artist John Platt grew up in New York City and was submerged in the world of art and culture. He attended the School of the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston in 2007, and his beautiful abstract paintings are in numerous collections throughout the U.S. and abroad. We're excited to talk to John about How to Draw a Lion, an art education program initiated to bring hope and raise funds for at-risk children in sub-Saharan Africa. Each year, he travels to the region and spends months teaching art for schools in Tanzania, Kenya, and Malawi. Welcome, John, to Health Gig. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so we want to begin. Just if you could tell us a little bit about you, about where you grow up, how you decided to become an artist. I grew up in New York City, so it was pretty easy to become an artist because early trips to the Museum of Modern Art were sort of all it takes. And I think any kid, that's still sort of the case. And those trips to the Met, which I still take, and I still stand before the same paintings that I looked at all those years ago, and specifically a Picasso in the MoMA called um, Girl Before a Mirror from 1932, which is just an explosion of everything you love about Picasso. It's just the color and the line and the forms. It's just an incredible painting. It's one of his masterpieces. So that was the one. You know, I remember looking up at that as a very young kid thinking, this is what I want to do. That doesn't surprise me by looking at your beautiful, colorful, fabulous artwork. What is your technique? How did you come up with it? I'm not an artist, but I have a brother who is now an artist, and he talks a lot about color and texture. And so tell us about your art. Well, I think it was F. Scott Fitzgerald who said, mediocre writers borrow, great writers steal. So, and I think that's very true of painters as well. That that quote is often sometimes attributed to Picasso, actually, that mediocre painters would borrow, but great ones would steal. And I think that as an artist, you're constantly looking, you're constantly mining different sources for inspiration. And that's a lifelong process. My process has very much been about looking at other artists and sort of taking what I want and having that be a global focus. It's not just Jackson Pollock and Pablo Picasso and Andy Warhol, all of whom I love, but it's also Japanese printmaking and Indian textiles and African art and indigenous Native American art. Actually, my new series is heavily about the Northwest First Nation tribes and then their art, which is just so beautiful. So um, I think that as an artist, you're just it's all about looking and all about just sort of taking your inspiration from everywhere. So you grew up in New York, you went to the Met, you were influenced there. Did you go to school or what'd you do? So what did you study? So I went to art school in Boston at the School of the Museum of Fine Arts, which was also a wonderful program because you had access to the museum's collection. You could even go behind the scenes if you were a student there and go into the storerooms and request to see certain pieces that might not be out on display. So that was an incredible experience. And that was in Boston. And that was the segue. I actually, one of my best friends from school is Peggy Curley's, our mutual friend, niece. So oh. the, the niece of Peggy, I was at her wedding in 2013. I tell young people now, your life is going to change at a cocktail party. Like True. you could meet someone <laughs> in your 20s. It could be your future spouse. It could be a future <laughs> business partner, but it's going to be a cocktail party or a wedding where you meet someone <laughs> and then your life is now in a, going in a new direction. 
So for me, it was meeting Peggy at this wedding by sheer chance. And she said, I, you know, work at this organization in Tanzania and that, you know, works with children. It was this incredible segue from art school and this, you know, dear friendship to this wedding to Africa. <laughs> so, uh, wow. From a that. wedding to Africa. <laughs> Trisha, Peggy Curley went to Miss Porter School, which is, okay. of course, where yeah. I went to. Yes. That's a lot of roads lead to Miss Porter School <laughs> somehow, weirdly. <laughs> Tell us about your first trip to Africa. And then how did you come up with your program? So I had actually thought of doing that before I met Peggy at the wedding. And I had a gallery in New York that was showing my work. And I knew that the gallery owner had been to Tanzania, had gone to the Serengeti and had loved it. So there was already kind of this connection. And I had a good feeling that he would be game for this. And he was very interested in charitable causes and in giving back. So I actually pitched her the idea right at the wedding, right there in the moment. Wow. <laughs> I'm an artist from New York. What if I came, did art classes for the kids, and we brought the paintings back and had an art show at my gallery in New York? She later told me that she never thought I was going to seriously yeah. do this. She <laughs> totally thought, it was just like talk, wedding talk. talk. <laughs> exactly. She thought it was just conversation and I was just blowing smoke and just, you know, <laughs> but it ended up happening. Sure enough, that was the end of 2013. And then by the summer of 2014, I was in Tanzania doing it. And it was supposed to be a one-off. It was supposed to be, all right, I'll go for, you know, six weeks this one year. And then that's that one thing I did that one time. But of course I, you know, I realized we did the show it was a huge success. It raised a lot of money. And it was a great way of fundraising in a way that didn't employ a sense of what we usually see in a lot of advertising for nonprofits that work internationally, which is like the starving children thing and yeah. things that are designed to make you feel guilty and ashamed right. to writing a check. And I just don't think that's the most effective or uplifting model for engagement with those parts of the world. So I think there's a more optimistic, more human, more uplifting way to approach these conversations. You went to Tanzania and then where else have you done work? And please add in about Madonna. <laughs> yeah, all the superstars. <laughs> yeah. So I did Tanzania one year and then I decided, you know what, I'm just going to do this every year. I also, of course, fell in love with India, who runs the Rift Valley Children's Village and is the founder, just formed a bond with a lot of the kids and thought, wow. oh, I want to do this next year. This was really, really great. So now I go every year. You're like in the classroom and you're teaching painting. Is that what you do? Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm just the white guy who shows up every year, like Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the paints and the so paintbrushes. Wow. <laughs> so I did it first year at Tanzania. And then again, at the show for Tanzania in New York, this other friend of mine introduces me to this Malawian woman who has a school in Malawi. And she was like, would you come to our school? So I said, wow. sure. So then in 2015, it was Tanzania and Malawi. But in order to get to Malawi, I had to fly through Kenya. So by 2016, I thought, well, why not stop in Kenya? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it sort of rapidly snowballed into this thing. And again, I never saw myself doing this. I never thought that this was going to be my life, but you know, that's how things go. Who goes with you? Do you have someone that you just travel with or do you just sort of stop by Kenya on your own? <laughs> I just go on my own. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But there's a whole network of wonderful community-based organizations yeah. on the ground that I work with. So now I have a lot of people. And the other thing is that the kids that I started with years ago, they're now growing up and some right. of them want to be professional artists. So in Kenya, for example, actually, Doro, the two pieces that you have, the cheetah and the owl, are both by the same artist, Samwell. And he is actually the executive 
director for our organization in Kenya. Oh, wow. So he runs, I don't even go to Kenya anymore. I don't need to. I could if I wanted to, but I don't need to because he runs it. Well, he's a beautiful artist, by he's the way. He's incredible. He is incredible. incredible. I'm very proud to own two of his paintings. Well, okay, so now Madonna. So I was in Malawi in 2016 and I met the American ambassador at a party again. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's, just, it's just cocktail party after cocktail, cocktail party. party. <laughs> so that's my lesson to kids. Just yeah, attend yeah. as many cocktail parties cocktail as, party. possible, as possible. <laughs> So met the American ambassador, you know, we uh, exchanged information and I reached out to her and said, if there are any arts programs, you know, in Malawi that we could work collaboratively with Americans, please let me know. But she connected me to Dr. Eric Borgstein, who was working with Madonna at the time to build a children's hospital in Blantyre, which is uh, the main city in the south of Malawi. At the time, I think they had two beds total for intensive care for the whole hospital, two beds. They had no beds for pediatric intensive care. So Madonna talked to Eric Borgstein and said, what do you need? And he said, well, what we really need is a pediatric intensive care unit because there were a lot of problems with kids and kids were dying unnecessarily. They just needed a bed and treatment and they just didn't have the facilities. So she fundraised very, very extensively. I know she sold a lot of her own paintings. Mm -hmm. She had a huge party in Miami with Chris Rock and Ariana Grande and Sean Penn and all these people came out and she really did an amazing thing. She raised, I think it was around $7 million to put up this spectacular new pediatric intensive care unit. I got to see it while they were still constructing it. I got to take a tour and I said, well, what about murals with local kids? They loved the idea. So for the entranceway, we did this huge tree full of birds of the world. For the kids' playroom, we did an underwater scene that was 360 degree underwater scene. So the whole room feels like you're underwater. Oh my Um, gosh. So, and it was all done with kids from the local high school. Oh, wow. How can art make a powerful contribution in the lives of these kids? What have you seen from your experience? I honestly don't think I could put it into words. It's such a powerful thing to go. And these kids just have so much talent. And people are always saying to me, oh, you're such a good teacher. And I try to emphasize the point that it's not me. (laughs) Like The kids really are. There's so much natural talent all over the world. And it's just a question of access to resources and guidance and to actually have a class. But, you know, to watch these kids harness their talent and feel the empowerment of it, and it's all they're doing to, you know, they they know that it's all them, that it's innate, that it's in them and that feeling. And I'm really big on positive reinforcement. I'm like a total pushover when it comes to kids. I'm like, I could never be a father because I just (laughs) like, I'm like, oh, you're so great. You're doing great stuff. This is great. You know, and uh, kids really need that. They need that support and encouragement. I would argue you would be a good father (laughs) if that's the message you're giving your kids. Maybe one day. We'll see. (laughs) I certainly feel like a father to a lot of all these kids, or at least a a, a fun uncle. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So Trisha and I are involved in conservation. So by teaching these children to paint this wildlife and their environments, have you seen them take an interest in conservation or is this a first introduction for them or how does it go? Absolutely. That's another crucial component of what we do is part of the process of the artwork in the class is we also have conversations about the importance of wildlife and the importance of their indigenous wildlife, that this is their home. And these are often animals that live very near, in fact, in some cases, dangerously close to where we're working. 
the village that I'm working at is very close to a national park and there's actually a real concern of wildlife. And that's actually true in India's place. You have to be careful. I go out running every day and they're like, you know, you really have to be careful of elephants and buffalo and any number of other wildlife threats. And I've actually almost gotten killed twice by elephants, once in Zambia, once in Tanzania. So you can, once was on how? safari. Oh, I was, how, what, what happened? Once was in Zambia. There's an incredible place on the Luangwa River, which is in Eastern Zambia, where they built hotels along this river and it's an elephant highway and you can't put up fences, it's illegal. So elephants actually will come very casually right through these hotels. They will even walk <laughs> inside the really? hotels. And there's a place I go to called the Marula Lodge and the elephants, I swear to God, the elephants walk into the dining room and go to the bar. They <laughs> oh my goodness. And wow. You don't believe me, but there's YouTube footage of it. They go to the, they can detect if there's like apple brandy, they can detect the sugar and they think, Ooh, there's fruit. And they reach over the bar with their trunks. And it's the most insanely comical thing you've ever seen. It looks like a New Yorker cartoon. Like yes, the elephants yeah. were just like at the <laughs> bar looking for a little libation. But how did you almost get killed? Oh, so I, the <laughs> elephants come through the property and I, you know, being overly intrepid, follow them next door into this forested area and got way too close. And interesting thing about elephants, their eyesight is actually not so great. So if oh. you're in the presence of an elephant, the carnal rule is stay still like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park that can't see you if you don't move. So if you just stand still, the elephant will register your presence as kind of um, like a dead tree. You're just an object. But if you start to move, if they see your arms and legs in motion, they'll know that you're a human and they know that humans are very dangerous because humans poach elephants. So oh, wow. They will charge. And if you run, they will follow you and just knock you right over. So I start running away from this elephant and this woman from the, the director of this hotel from her office window screams at me, don't run. And I froze and sort of dove behind this brick wall that was right. right there. And it came around the corner and I was running again. She, she said, don't run. So I stopped there and it was sort of scanning for me. And oh my goodness. At, at her instruction. And then it just very casually walked away with its family. It was a female and a male and a young elephant. And then they just sort of walked away because I was frozen. They were like, all right, there's no there's nothing there. We're just going to walk away. Yeah. It was really, really weird. But then I got screamed at by this woman <laughs> who <laughs> yelled at me and I was like, I'm sorry. And she goes, you won't be sorry. You'll be dead. We've had 30 people die here. And I was like, oh. wait, what? <laughs> oh my God. She, you know, one of those things where you, you sign the release and you're not really paying attention. Right, right. And it's like, oh, in right. order to stay at our hotel, please sign the following waiver. And you're like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and then you go back and read it. And it's like, we're not responsible for your death or injury or anything. I am <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. And there are all these rules, like you can't have anything remotely edible, any fruit, anything in your tent they come and they oh, destroy yeah. the tent they rip it up to until get they, to it they get to it yeah okay i have wow. two very funny images of you in my mind right now one is sitting at a bar drinking with elephants the other is <laughs> standing frozen like a tree around elephants yep. crazy crazy what wonderful experiences though for you both were comical and terrifying yeah fine yeah like, <laughs> so. yeah but you learn so much look at what you're teaching us you know 
I mean, seriously. <laughs> but getting back to your question, it's very important that the kids understand the importance of their wildlife. It's really, really important. Also for all these countries, the tourist industry is such a crucial component of their economy. So protecting the wildlife is really, really important. And you need to start teaching those lessons to kids. Jane Goodall has a similar program to mine called Roots and Shoots, which trains the next generation of conservationists and does art programs as well. Yeah, it's such a good way to bring the kids into the conservation field through art. So what's next for How to Draw a Line? What's coming up for you? Uh, one thing I'm really excited about is getting back to work in New York City now that things are lifting yeah. because of COVID. I work with a great organization here called Culture for One, and they do cultural and educational experiences for children in foster care. Children who don't often get to go to the museum, go to a Broadway show, do all of these wonderful cultural things right there in their own city because they're in foster care. I do art classes with foster kids through them. And COVID really shut that down, but now things are opening up again. So we're restarting our classes for foster kids here. And then probably going back to Africa in August. Wow. Great. And to do what you do, mm -hmm. teach your classes. And wow. How do you have time to do your exhibits? You said you just had finished one? Yes, actually, we just did our first online show. It's actually going to be a great way for us to move forward. I regret not having done it sooner because, for example, you know, Jody can send Doro the link. Right. Yeah, that's how I found you. Right. But if I had done an event in New York City, Jody would have just been like, oh, I can't make it, but best of luck. So it's a much better way to sort of get the word out and get the kids painting seen by as many people as possible. Because there's such wonderful artworks. Everyone who sees them is like, oh my God, I yeah. love this. I want it. I just really want as many people as possible to see what these kids are doing. And tell us about your book. So I was in Tanzania in 2017, and this was actually at the Children's Village, at the Rift Valley Children's Village, where we know India and Jody from. The volunteer coordinator's mother was a children's book author named Moira Rose Donahue. She's published, I think, about 30 different books. She's wonderful. So she's already this established children's book author. And I pitched her the idea, what if we did a children's book about animals that was illustrated with the kids' paintings? She loved the idea. We worked on a manuscript together and we submitted the manuscript to her agent who loved it and then pitched it around to different publishers. And we found this wonderful publisher out of Michigan called Sleeping Bear Press, and they took it on. It's a great book. It, really it is a great is. book. Trisha and I are reading it to our grandchildren. Oh, that's so great. It's so educational and so beautiful. It's so beautifully done, you know? I was thrilled. Their art department did such a beautiful job with the layout. I'll never forget seeing it. They sent me the pages before it was published via email, and I was just so blown away by how mm. beautiful it is. So as an artist, as an accomplished artist, what happens? Like you're so young. What do you see? How do you see your life unfolding if you can go that far? I would definitely like to just grow the program and have yeah. it be more like what I was saying about Kenya. The real goal is sustainability. You yeah. have to be, if you're working in Africa, you need to be setting those communities up for success even after you leave. What so often happens is people show up with good intentions. They do good work while they're there, but then it's kind of hard to monitor the situation and have commitment and accountability when you're 8,000 miles away in New York. I think it's really important to find the right people on the ground just that you trust that are really great. Mm. 
to take over things. And there are also a lot of African-founded nonprofits all over Africa. There's people who have started their own programs. So I really like to increasingly raise awareness about the fact that there's so many wonderful African-led programs that you might yes. not have heard of. Obviously, we've all heard of UNICEF and Save the Children, but there's a lot of just wonderful and even arts-focused programs, dance, I work with a great program in Kampala, Uganda called Acrobatic Circus Troupe that empowers kids with acrobatics. And you should see what these kids can do acrobatically. Wow. They build towers out of, you know, 16 kids will build a tower with like perfect physical, <laughs> like something you would see at a circus. And that's a totally just in the middle of a slum, the Katwe slum in Kampala. They just had the initiative to start this program. There's a lot of stories like that that are really, really wonderful. And I want to just continue to find those stories and bring them back and promote those programs. John, you are what we call a point of light. You're somebody, <laughs> you're doing so much good for others. And it's really pretty exciting to hear, not only in Africa, but in our country as well. So thank you for all the good work you're doing. It's been a joy to talk to you and have you on our podcast today. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really, really so appreciative of this. Thank you, John. Yes, thank you so much, John. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well. <laughs>